Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, Happy New Year! I hope you all had a really wonderful and uh, relaxing and rejuvenating, restorative holiday season. And for many of you, I'm sure it was also anything but, um, you know, let's not deny the reality there. Anyway, as you can hear, (laughs) I'm not sick. I don't have COVID. Um, Again, believe me, if I had COVID again, you guys would have heard about it (laughs) over on, you know, Instagram or in in the Facebook group. But I actually have had a a horrible allergic reaction (sighs) You guys, this is so embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you because, you know, here we are. I think you guys, most of you know, I think I've talked about this before, you may know or not, but um, I have like super, super, super high sensitivities to all sorts of things, right? Um, Many of you know that I was hospitalized for maca root, which is like an herbal stimulant. (laughs) I was in the hospital for two days with like symptoms of a heart attack. I recently had to um, finally quit coffee because it was having the same, um, um, effects on me, um, and like not being able to catch my breath and things like that. So anyway, I, um, have been a big fan of eyelash extensions for a while. I had stopped getting them obviously during the, you know, worst of the pandemic, um, in 2020. And I started to go again and, I started to get these weird like allergies, like suddenly like the day after I would get allergies and it took like a few times before I was like, oh, that's weird. It's correlated to the eyelashes. So then I stopped getting them. And then and then I realized that like, oh, they have sensitive glue. They have glue for people who are sensitive to these things. So I'll get that. And I went back and I had the worst allergy attack. It started like two or three hours after and it's been three days and I spent Monday, I was like unable to breathe. I got it like Sunday night. Um, I had a date Sunday night with the guy that um, I've been seeing and he came over and we watched a movie and like just, you know, hung out on the couch and stuff. And in the middle of it, <laughs> I started, I, I I had probably blew my nose like no less than 400 times. <laughs> it was such a mess. Real sexy. So that's what's going on with me. And I'm the histamine response is waning, but I'm still a total mess. So here I am, guys. I'm going to have to age completely gracefully and naturally. It's actually been a really good reminder to me of, you know, how sensitive I am. And one of my my main New Year's resolution is around self-care and really honoring my body and what's really funny is that, of course, I made this this resolution, I think, like, the day before. Like, I was, like, really, like, looking at it um, on New Year's Day. So that was probably, that was Saturday, right? And then on Sunday, I went and got my eyelashes done. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> okay. Honor your body. Honor your body. No more, you know, harsh chemicals and things like that. You know, I just can't, my body can't take it. And um, I keep wanting to think that it can or, you know, my friends do it. I should be fine. And I'm not. I'm just not. So here I am. Um, and I think it's important. I think it's, you know, it's certainly an important lesson for me in um, slowing down, hearing, hearing my body, um, hearing the care uh, that it really needs. From me to you, from my experience to you, take it and uh, and and run with it. <laughs> Listen to your body, folks. All right. So today's episode. All right. We've got some fun stuff coming up. Um, before we get to this episode with Susan Guthrie, uh, which is amazing because every time I talk to Susan Guthrie, it's amazing. Um, but uh, I have a couple of things that I want to let you know about. First of all, um, in my Facebook group, the Should I Stay or Should I Go group, the big one, on January 17th, 18th, and 19th, I will be running a live workshop. It'll be at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Um, it's a three-part free live workshop, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 1 p.m. And it's actually a perfect um, sort of segue after this episode because it's all about, you know, you've you've decided that you're going to get a divorce, so what now? And um, it's a three-part free live workshop in the Facebook group. So make sure you join the Facebook group if you haven't already. And guys, listen, you have to answer all of the membership questions in order to be allowed into the group. If you do not answer all of the membership questions, you are automatically not allowed into the group. So it's really important that you answer the questions if you want to join the group and if you certainly if you want to participate in this um, workshop. And the other thing that uh, I want to tell you about is that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing a an episode that's going to be answering your questions. It's going to be like a like a um, a Q&A. So we've set up a link. It's at kateanthony.com slash questions. And you'll be able to record your question that I will answer on the air in an, a future episode. And we're going to kind of do this ongoingly um, if it goes well, if y'all are into it. So be sure to do that. It'll be totally anonymous. Um, so don't worry about it. But if you have a question that you want me to talk about or answer on the air, go to kateanthony.com slash questions and you'll be able to leave your question there and then I will answer it on the air. All right. So to today's episode with Susan Guthrie. So as many of you know, this is um, divorce month. <laughs> I think it was Monday was National Divorce Day. And I Susan had me on her podcast, which was the, the Divorce and Beyond podcast. So I urge you to, before listening to this episode, go back and listen to that episode because um, in that episode, we talked about how to have the I want a divorce conversation. And it was actually, you know, I've talked about it in other places um, and in other ways, but I, I loved this conversation with Susan because she asked such great questions and we sort of teased out a lot more nuance. So please go and listen to that on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And then today here on this podcast is sort of a two-parter with that one. We're talking about what happens next, right? This is divorce month. 
This is basically Divorce Week. Together, Susan and I explore some of the things that you should be doing right after having the talk, including building your divorce team and considerations for divorce proceedings or mediation. And part of that divorce team, by the way, should be a divorce coach if you can, you know, I say if you can afford it, because obviously divorce coaching is an expense. And in this episode, we talk about why actually having a multi-person team, including a coach, can actually save you money in the long run, um, which is absolutely true. And just a little quick plug, um, as I think I've mentioned before, I do have a couple of open spots starting in January, starting this month. Um, on my calendar for private coaching, which is very rare. So I just want to, you know, let you know that if you are looking for to have a coach be part of this process, which can make it so much easier and um, more, uh, gosh, I, I mean, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't describe the benefits of having a coach. But, um, but if that appeals to you, you can go to my uh, website, kateanthony.com slash private coaching, and you'll see a button to uh, link for an application. So, um, so Susan, as you know, is a nationally recognized, nationally recognized as one of the top family law and mediation attorneys in the country. And she's been helping individuals and families navigate separation and divorce for 30 years. She provides online divorce mediation and legal coaching services to select clients around the world. And she is one of my dearest friends. She is one of my favorite colleagues, but much more. She is a dear, dear friend. And I love having her on the podcast and I love being on hers. So make sure you hop on over to hers and listen to our episode this week. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Susan Guthrie. Susan Guthrie, welcome back to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am always so happy to be with you, Kate, anywhere, but especially on the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. As even better in uh, when we get to have dinner. You're coming to LA in a couple of weeks. I am. And just like, I mean, literally like two or three weeks, you and I are going to be sitting somewhere. Birthday again. Yes. I know. Yay. We'll make sure to post pictures on uh, on will. our on our Instagrams. Oh, I'll bring you another on. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, sigh. Oh, sigh. We are sort of picking up and continuing our conversation. If you guys did not uh, listen to our conversation over on Susan's podcast, Divorce and Beyond, uh, I was on there on Monday, and we had a really good, robust conversation about how to have the divorce conversation with someone. And um, even if you've listened to my other podcast about it and you have read my blog posts and stuff, I think you should go back and listen to this because Susan asked some really good questions and I think we got, there's more um, nuance to it. So uh, definitely go back and listen to that. And so now we're going to kind of pick up from there. Oh my God. Now what? Yeah. So much (laughs) to talk about, right? (laughs) Right. And we're just so that everyone knows we are talking about this because January is divorce month. So this is what, so Susan, first of all, why, why do we call this divorce month? What, what, what's up with that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, it's been something that I have to tell you early in my practice. I've been at this like 32 years or so, but I, ha- I noticed this way early on in the early days 
you know, starting in January, all of a sudden the phone would start to ring with people um, after the holidays saying, you know, that's it. Can't do this anymore. I want to get a divorce. So it's, it's anecdotally taken on this term of, of divorce month. Reality is that if you look at statistics, what really happens is January is when people start to gather information, start to find out what the process is all about and start the process. But it's actually March when the filings start to jump up. March and August are the two months out of the year where we see the largest number of filings. But that's because as we talked about in Monday's episode over on Divorce and Beyond, it's a process but January is definitely where the process starts. Right. And I, I have the same, you know, same experience in my, in my practice where it's January and like August, September, because those are the two times where you have just spent a concentrated amount of time with the person that you're like, I can't do it anymore, you know? And also we just got to get through the summer or we just got to get through the holidays. Right. Um, right. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Same, same. Although so, COVID has kind of thrown a wrench into those works. Um, I was going to say, we felt the same for similar reasons. We are yes. now homebound with this person that we were kind of avoiding or satelliting or whatever we were doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. like, uh, yep, for sure. For sure. Okay. So you've had this conversation and like we said in um, over on your podcast on Monday, this is a process. This is not a one and done. This is a, this is a process, but you know, once you sort of have had the conversation a number of times and the dust is settling and people are clearer and understanding what do you do? You know, for, for everyone, for both sides of the equation, because as you pointed out, you know, in the other um, episode, usually the person who has asked for divorce or who has stated the intention to get a divorce, that person is more, is further along the emotional process. And the person who's just been told they want to, they're getting divorced is, is much further behind. So part of it is in that first moment, I always say, you have to give your partner the grace of space and you have to give it to yourself. You have to take a deep breath. You have to take that time. Even if you've been thinking about it for a long time, that conversation is a hugely emotional conversation. It's not just one conversation. You've likely now talked about it for a few weeks. It's now part of your household vernacular And it's time to just maybe take a little deep breath and, and focus in on taking care of yourself, taking care of your family and gathering information. And that is not always what everyone thinks it is. And and you might be surprised to hear from a divorce attorney that I don't usually recommend running out to a divorce attorney first thing. Right. No, as you know, Kate, what I really recommend is getting a coach first thing. Um, A coach who can help you with all, I mean, honestly, in your best case scenario, you would have gotten the coach before you even had the conversation about the divorce, much as we just talked about it in that episode, right? That's Mm -hmm. what Kate does folks with her client. She gets them ready. Like she did in that episode. 
Um, but if you are now at that point where you're starting the process, consider finding that support person, finding that member of your team right away so that you can move forward with somebody helping you through the emotional context, making your decisions in a rational fashion, and also who just has all that information that you need. And you may want to suggest the same to your spouse. And listen, this may sound more expensive and like, like I'm going to have an attorney, we're going to have a mediator and blah, 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 and a coat. Like that's insane. Susan, what do you say to that? It, it's the biggest fallacy in the entire divorce process that building a good team is going to cost you more money. And I, again, I know this because I'm the most expensive member of the team, right? Your divorce, divorce attorney, I, there is no other person out there who's going to cost you more than your divorce attorney. And I can say that, you know, having done this for a very long time, I, I can't even imagine a professional who's going to charge you more than your divorce attorney. And I will tell you, when you go to a divorce attorney first, yes, attorneys do bring in other people. They bring in experts. They bring in, you know, somebody to help with valuing. They get your forensic accountant, also expensive, by the way. I was going to say, yeah, the only other yeah. person in your team. The people they bring in are, you know, $10,000 minimum retainer people. Right. But when your attorney is driving the bus and doing everything, you're paying, I think I just read something this morning, the average, the average median divorce hourly rate, divorce attorney hourly rates, 270 an hour. That's like, I I almost, yeah, that's so low. I don't even know what part of the country that might be in. Most of the time you're going to be at least 350 up to, you know, when I was practicing full-time, I was at 750 or more depending on the complexity of the matter. Think about those numbers. And when you have that person driving the bus, that means every time that person picks up the phone and talks to you, every time they read your email, every time they send a letter to the other attorney, every time you call them to rant about what your ex is doing, they are charging you that money per hour. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when you pull your team together, who are all less expensive than that attorney, and you work with them to pull together all the elements of your divorce... And what you present to the most expensive team member is ready to go. It's ready to move forward. They're not dealing with your emotions. They're not dealing with your messiness. You've dealt with that with people who, by the way, are better qualified to deal with your messiness. Right. And then your attorney can do the legal part. That's right. That's right. I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with my uh, my clients where they're like, well, I'm going to call my attorney and talk. And I'm like, that is not an attorney conversation. Do not waste your money. So let's talk about it. You already paid me. I'm not paying you by, you're not paying me by the hour, right? This is a, I mean, you know, you get a certain number of sessions for my package, but like we're here on the phone. So let's talk this through and you don't need to talk to your attorney about that. Or I'll say, here's the next conversation I want you to have with your attorney. I just was talking to a, a client this week who whose husband is uh, accusing her of alienating their kids. He is not doing anything to actually have a relationship with their children. And so she's, and she's kind of doing nothing either because she's like, it's not my job. And I said, I want you to ask your attorney whether you should be setting up a co-parenting app and, and sort of constantly putting in the communication so that when, and if he comes, comes to court and says, 
hey, she, you know, she's alienating me. You have a record of the fact that you're clearly not. Rather than not doing anything, you know, you're not doing anything, but like if you're doing something, it, it's more easy, you know what I mean? It's more easily yeah. provable, right? And I was like, so this is the conversation I want you to have with your attorney. I, I save conversations by saying like, no, 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 let's, you and I will figure that out. You don't need to worry about there. They don't need to worry about that. But when it isn't a, a conversation that I think they clearly need legal advice on, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and I talk to, and I talk to attorneys too, by the way, like I work yeah. with my clients, attorneys. Well, and, and which is wonderful. And let me, I, I just, I love so much what you were just talking about. I really want people to understand what what you were just saying there from the attorney's perspective. What we are experts at is strategy, Mm -hmm. is what's going to happen in a courtroom if we ever get there, which by the way, 95 or more percent cases don't go to court. But when, if you were exactly talking about what if I were the attorney for that case walking in, what would I like to be able to say to a judge about what my client did to foster the relationship between the father and the children? That's a strategy question. That is absolutely something that the attorney should be involved in. But all the other extraneous, he said this about, I'm not doing anything and this and that and this, that is not something that your attorney is well-suited to deal with or to parse through. We can listen and get down to the strategy portion of it for you, but you will have spent 45 minutes telling us the story. And again, at that hourly rate, you have now spent an extraordinary amount of money. What you just did for your client is take that conversation, distill it down to the exact right question to ask the attorney, and the client understands what information they want from their attorney. So they know how to ask the questions. Attorneys should love that. Absolutely. And that saves money, right? So when we're talking about, I mean, this whole, you know, we're, we're talking about like, how, why should, you know, building a team, it's so expensive. Actually, at the end of the day, the more people you have doing the jobs that, that make sense for them to do, (laughs) the less expensive, the whole thing is going to probably end up costing. Because you, you're pulling it all together. And again, by the time you get to the attorney, just as in that example, what you're giving to the attorney or asking for from the attorney is what's in the attorney's wheelhouse That's and right. what you are paying them the big bucks to do, mm-hmm. right? There mm-hmm. is a reason why attorneys make a lot of money per hour. It's it's hard what they do. It's It requires a lot of training and special information and, you know, schooling and and all that experience. But what, what your other team members can do for you, your financial advisor, your CDFA, your coach, your therapist, if you need one, your parenting expert, they can pull it all together for you with expertise. So that by the time you get to the really expensive attorney, it's, it's all done for you. So important. And, you know, I think one of the things that's important to remember is that like, so Susan, you know, you do not, you do not litigate anymore. Like this is not your right. Because you are, you are, you mediate and you train mediators and you are an advocate for for mediation. Yes. If, if the end goal is we want to mediate, like I definitely, you know, we've been talking about attorneys and stuff like that, but if the end goal is, I really, I hope we can mediate. I hope that we, what do, what do we do? Like at this, at the starting line, when, when you're like, okay, I've just had this conversation and I've just said that I want it to go really well. And I've just said, how, how do we set that up 
how do how do people set that up so that they can actually what's the path to walking into mediation <laughs> as opposed right. to veering off into litigation? Right. And, and, and it is something to start talking about right from the very beginning, or maybe not in that very first conversation, it's, it may be advanced for that, but mm-hmm. soon into your conversations, because as you said in um, that, that episode on Monday, you have a lot of important decisions to make together. And one of those is what process you are going to use to come to agreements about all the major issues that need to be decided in divorce. Understand every divorce is a process of, we have these issues and we have to have an agreement on how each one of these issues is going to be handled. And if we can agree, the man or woman in the black robe will ultimately be the decision maker, worst case scenario, right? But that is the process, whether no matter what approach you take, divorce is truly a matter. It's a legal process of unentangling a legal status. But what it really is, is unentangling your finances, unentangling your parenting plan or tangling it because now it's going to be a lot more complicated in some ways right? Um, and making those decisions. So the thing that I always encourage people to think about at the beginning and to discuss is in our lives, we do not love human beings, do not love being told what to do and having other people make decisions for us. Yet for some reason, when we get divorced, we we toss our autonomy and our decision-making rights to to this third party or to these other people and want someone else to make those decisions or rulings. And the first thing that you can agree upon with your spouse as you go into this process is we want to retain the the decision-making capability and the place to do that is in mediation. That's what the whole process is about. I love that. And I think that, I think that the impetus to hire an attorney and to like litigate and stuff is I want to get what I want. Right. Oh, I want to get what's fair or what's I want to protect fair. myself. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, yes. and the, at the end, and that, that is human, right. That is human because, because we have been raised on, you know, war of the roses or whatever else. Right. And we have seen, you know, the litany of, of horrible divorces and tabloids and whatever, there is a path to consciously uncoupling. There is a path to mediation and it is, it is not I'm going to get what I, what I, what's fair and, you know, protect myself and all of those things. I, I tell the story all the time about how, when I first, um, when we first decided to get divorced, my father-in-law rest his soul. <laughs> he, um, he said, and my father-in-law loved me, loved me. And he told my ex, he was like, you better get an attorney. She's going to take you for all your worth. And, you know, you better make sure you protect your assets and hide them, hide money and all this stuff. And my ex was like, what? <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. Have you met her? Like, what are you talking about? And also like, that's not how California law works. And also like, what? But that's what, but here's the thing. Someone who was less fragile, someone who was, you know, who was more fragile and and less, you know, aware or educated in these things would hear that and be like, oh, fuck, and would do exactly that. Right. Yes. And so 
we have to, we have to under, we have to understand. And I, the people listening to my podcast who listen to your podcast, hopefully already do, they understand that there is another way. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. And so, so it is human nature to be like, oh fuck, I got to circle the wagons and, you know, let me, you know, uh, protect myself and all those things. But that's not really what you want, right? Because at the end of the day, at the end of this process, you're probably, hopefully each person is going to feel like they got like 70% of what they wanted, right? Right. That's kind of best case scenario, right? And so if you're going to get there, like there's a couple ways to get there, either like really expensive through the courts with all sorts of horrible things happening along the way, or you set yourself up for that. You decide that this is what you're going to do. And and you, you work together. Yes. Um, I I mean, really, and and mediation is one format to do that. in. Mm -hmm. there's also, um, you know, a collaborative process where you can both have attorneys as well as all your other concomitant professionals, and you're going to work through it. But the key to all of this is cooperation is working together to try to find the way the puzzle pieces fit together to make a picture that works for your family. And it's not, there's, there's always, you know, everybody thinks a puzzle, well, there's only one way to put it together in divorce. That is 100% not true. There is not just one way to put it together in a courtroom. There might be only one way to put that puzzle together, but in a, in a mediation room, in a conference room at your kitchen table, you guys can get out the, you know, Zippo knife or exacto or whatever, and you can put (laughs) some of those pieces. And that is actually the beauty of the process because you, you can take the time and the most important part for everybody. And this is what you do with your other professionals, not your lawyer. This is what you tell your lawyer is when you have to sit down and consider what your priorities are, what, what you do, you know, you were talking about, you get 70 for 70% of what you want. Well, what do you really want? You know, what is truly important to you? And then that is what you're working toward. That is your strategy. That is your guidepost as you're talking to your spouse. And they're going to have their own, you know, guideposts. And the, the key to coming to an agreement that's durable, that you both feel good about, or at least is tolerable, that you're going to live by that will actually stay in place after your divorce and you're not going to be in court every five minutes. That is something where you both get as much of that 70% and you can live with the other choices. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's not what happens when a judge tells you what you're going to do. Right. Because, you know, if you guys are fighting over the house and you're not sure who's going to keep the house and you're fighting over it, you're going to go to court and a judge is going to be like, well, sell it. That's exactly what a judge is going to do. That's it. And you're going to split the profits or the loss. (laughs) So that's it. Judges aren't going to mess with the facts that you want to keep it because there might be appreciation. And if you redo the kitchen, if he'd just give you some money to do that, you could get more money for it. Nope. You know what? The judge is going to say, put it on the market in its current condition, cooperate in the selling of it and uh, take the usual and customary fees of sale and, and cost of sale out. And you're going to divide the remainder somehow. Right. That's it. Like, it's going to be as simple as that. And that's, there's no nuance. There's no, nobody cares about your feelings about it. No, No. I mean, judges, 
you know, I, judges aren't like uncaring about your feelings, but that is not in their, their realm of what they are permitted to take into, into the decision-making process. They have a certain level of what they love to call discretion. It's when, within the court's discretion, but the judge can't say, ah, I feel like he's a jerk or I feel like she was a witch. And so therefore I'm going to just, you know, do this. No, there's parameters in which a court's going to operate. They can take certain things into consideration, but it's never going to be what you think it's going to be. It's never. And now a word from our sponsor, me. Once you've decided to get a divorce, you may feel a sense of relief that the decision is finally made. But at the same time, you likely feel a sense of foreboding of what's ahead. There's a huge mountain left to climb, and if you've never gotten divorced before, especially divorced with kids, there's a lot that you don't know. You need a deep dive into the divorce process, STAT. That's exactly why I created the Divorce Survival Program. In the Divorce Survival Program, you'll learn how to have the most difficult conversations of your life with your husband, your children, friends, family, and even nosy neighbors. You'll learn to set healthy boundaries in high and low-conflict divorces. You'll learn how the legal and financial processes really work, whether you should or can seek support, and you'll be taken through the process of emotional healing. And of course, you'll learn how and when to start dating on the other side. In this first-of-its-kind program, I bring together guest experts from around the country who share their wisdom in exclusive interviews not available anywhere else. In the Divorce Survival Program, I have conversations with legal and financial experts, child psychologists, sex and dating experts, and more. And of course, there are over 20 videos in which I speak directly to you, answering your most pressing questions. The Divorce Survival Program is a self-paced online program available for purchase now at the ridiculously low price of just $497. And there's a payment plan if you need it. Best of all, As a listener to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, you get $50 off. Use the code DSGPOD at checkout and $50 will be taken off your purchase. Head on over to DivorceSurvivalProgram.com and sign up today. That's DivorceSurvivalProgram.com. And now back to our show. I personally, and I know you do like really recommend mediation for as many, for as many people as you can. Now I have a question about mediation for you, Susan, because, you know, a lot of people think that mediation is always and only two people sitting in a room with one person mediating. And like you get together and the three of you like hammer things out. Yes. Is that how that works? I mean, that is one way to go through a a divorce mediation these days, by the way, it's not usually in a room. It's usually on on a computer (laughs) on zoom. Um, there's a myriad of different ways to do it, but my personal favorite approach to mediation. And one of the reasons why I think mediation is honestly, probably one of the best approaches is it can be curated to be an approach that works best for that couple. Because every divorce, um, I think it was Deborah Dope just said the other day um, on my show, every divorce is a snowflake, right? They look like they're going to be the same thing, but every single one is different and she couldn't be more right. So what is beautiful about us building a team as we were talking about or building a mediation team is you can bring to the mediation table 
the professionals who can be the most helpful in helping you work through your issues. Um, you can get co-mediators. You know, I'm an attorney mediator. I absolutely adore working with a mediator who has a therapeutic background. When we have parenting issues, I love working with a financial um, professional with a mediation uh, skill set in, in a co-mediation session. Um, when we're working through complicated financial issues, and most importantly. Because this is where I think most people are afraid to try mediation is they think that mediation means no attorneys. It means that they go into the process without the support of a legal professional. And that is 100% not true, um, not advised in most cases. In fact, I urge all of my clients to consider having an attorney um, through the process, we call it a consulting attorney. Right. And that means, again, curate your attorney's participation based on what your case needs. Some people can go into the room and meet with their attorney outside the room and be prepared, much like you prepare your clients. A good consulting attorney will help their client be ready for the next mediation session. But some people, aw, some people are in a place of it's difficult to have these conversations. Um, and so mm -hmm, perhaps mm -hmm. they want to have their attorney in the room. That happens as well. One thing I'll point out, if you're having a hard time having conversations, your attorney may not actually be the right person. It may actually right. be your coach or your therapist or a co-mediator who has a therapeutic background. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, and also, you know, I have clients who, you know, they really have a hard time with any kind of communication with their soon to be ex and they, but they're still mediating. And so their mediator will meet with them separately, right? They'll like do a little, they are, they are in the middle. They're going, you know, sort of room to room. Okay. He's willing to do this or okay, yeah, he's, we he's not willing to do this or right. Because sometimes it's easier when the other person's not in the room for the mediator to elicit the response that is appropriate. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's, we call it caucusing. Mm -hmm. I call it meeting separately. And it's really, <laughs> I mean, because. one of the, one of the problems with, with mediators who were attorneys or are attorneys is they tend to throw a lot of legalese into things. Yeah, we can meet with you separately right. and on zoom. It's really easy. We just throw you into a breakout room and we go back and forth. Uh -huh. There are, you know, one of the things that I believe in very strongly is educating clients on the pros and cons of everything that they're choosing, but the choices are theirs. So this is a great example. Many clients, because it is uncomfortable to talk to your spouse about many of the things you have to talk about, money, your children, who did what, what's going to happen. So many people would default to, I want to be in separate rooms. One thing people should know is that when you have this third-party mediator, one of our part of our school, our skill set, our tools, are that we can help people start to communicate in new ways and in new fashions and to hear each other and to have better conversations. And that is hard to do if you're in two separate rooms. So right. there are advantages 
to hearing what the other person's saying in the moment, not having it filtered through. Mm -hmm. If you're online, that whole amygdala thing that we were talking about doesn't happen to the same degree. So your stress hormones are lower and you can have more reasonable and reasoned conversations. So what happens for me anyway, when my clients say, I don't want to see him or I don't want to see her is that's absolutely a choice. Um, Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And talk about Mm -hmm. why you might want to and why you might not. Ultimately, as with everything in mediation, it is up to the parties to decide that is the beauty of the mediation. That's right. And you always say, if you don't want to see them, right, you always, you have a really handy trick for people who don't want to see their soon-to-be ex on Zoom, don't you? Yeah, just just (laughs) turn off the camera. (laughs) <laughs> or, or put a, or put a sticky on their face. Yes. Right? Put, put a, a sticky. sticky on their face, put Lenny Kravitz's face over their face, whatever works. I whatever mean, works. We, that's we, right. You know, it, it is a situation where, yeah, there is no, like I will say, I say this all, um, all the time when I talk about making the transition from being a litigator to a divorce attorney or to a divorce mediator is I was like, Oh, this is going to be the kinder, gentler way to get divorced. Um, kumbaya and fires and, you know, mm, sure. Yeah. No, sure. No, whoever thinks sitting down with your spouse and having conversations about who's going to get what money and who's going to pay for what, and when you're going to see your kids. No, it is difficult, but going back to that respect issue and going back to the fact that you are trying to craft something that works best for the two of you. And importantly for your kids to put your child or children in the center, not the middle, you know, best as their parents, you should be having these conversations together. Right. And that means talking to each other. And this is, this is a strong reason, like the biggest reason why you want to take the time before you go into any of these mediation processes or legal processes to deal with the emotional fallout, to hire a coach, to make sure you have a therapist, right? Because if you go straight into it, you're, you're going into the hot seat while your emotions are already on fire and the whole thing can melt down. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> Very well done on the, on the moment. It kind of worked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your job first, the very first thing you should do is to process the emotional fallout of it so that you can sit down together. So that by the time you're like sitting down to have this conversation, you're not you're not all worked up emotionally. Like you're kind of like you've cut. And the other thing that I, you know, I always say like, take as much time as you want or need, because in the, in the months after, you know, as you start co-parenting in the months after the conversation, before you get into the, you know, mediation, you're going to have gone through kind of a season of like co-parenting with this person. You're going to know what you have to put in your co-parenting plan. Right. Right. Because we go through, like, we create a parenting plan kind of like out of the ether, but if you've kind of been doing it for six months, you have a good idea of what needs to be in there and what you need to talk about. Yeah. And it's hard to go back into court to revise these things when you've lived with them for six months on the other side and been like, oh my God, we didn't add this and we didn't add that. And we need to figure this out. Like, so take the time. Yeah. 
first. Well, and and so many things to that take the time because so many people are in that early, the early parts of the divorce and they just want it over, right? They're, they're in the early days, but they're like, I have been thinking about this for seven years. I just want this done, done, get Mm -hmm. it done. And what you actually do when you rush into your divorce, when the emotions are high is you actually make your divorce take longer because you are going to fight more. You are going to have more disagreements. You're going to have a harder time pulling together the information and the process will actually take you longer than if you take that grace of space, deep breath and, and pull your team together pull your financial information together. You know, here's a big surprise to everyone. You can do that cooperatively. Mm-hmm. You can pull your financial information together. Um, the ladies over at my divorce solution, they'll pull together. They'll tell you what you need Absolutely. to get. They'll pull it all together. They'll put it into a lovely folder and format. They've just gone online and then they'll give you a breakdown of all your finances. You can do all that together by agreement or right. separately, which, because by the way, like it's your joint assets, right? Like y- you both, ha- you should both have access to all of it. It's not like it's a secret, <laughs> like and it's not secret, going to be, it's not going to be a secret, right? Even if there is secret stuff, it's not going to be a secret for much longer, but that's exactly right. It should be like, we like, okay, what are all the financials? Do you have this? Where's that? Where's this right? Do it together. Yeah. I, I still have the, the card that my, our team, my divorce team, um, wrote to us when we I were love done. That. And you know, this is what, this is what's possible when you take the time, really take the time. They said, hi, Kate, I wanted to congratulate you on achieving a peaceful resolution, which supports your family achieving success as you have defined it. It has been my pleasure and joy to support you. Congratulations and best wishes. Um, And that was our, that was the mediator. And then our coach said, truly impressive. (laughs) And then our, our CPA said, our CDFA said, I congratulate you for working through a difficult process to reach a settlement that considers the needs of both you and your son. And I, I keep this, I have kept this for 12 years now. Because, you know, that's, that's what's possible. That's what's possible. Like our, our mediators are the whole team was always like, how are you guys doing this? Like, this is amazing. Cause we would joke and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's cause yeah. we probably we, like, we were done, we were done. And we knew that we needed something like we were ready to get to the next stage. Um, Susan, how long can, the, how long does this People think, right. I mean, I've had clients who've been like, well, you know, I'm hoping that like, you know, by the end of the year we'll be divorced. And I'm like, uh, okay, literally no. It's like September. I'm like, literally, yeah, I mean, yeah, literally <laughs> no. Yeah. So, you know, but I think that's a shock to people. I think that's it a is. real shock. So what is, what is a, what is a reasonable time life? Somebody who is, you know, hitting divorce month going, okay, now I'm, now we're going to do this. Um, what should they expect? What, what is a reasonable expectation of a timeline? Yeah. Well, and it, it goes back a hundred percent to the path you choose to get to resolution, mm-hmm. right? If you choose to litigate your divorce, if you rush out in the moment of emotion and lawyer up and take that process, 
you, even if you're starting in January, very likely will not find yourself divorced in 2022 as we're sitting here in January of 2022. Um, in fact, you're in California where I uh, also practice. Frankly, if you're litigating your divorce in California, you may be into 2025, 2026 before you actually see yourself divorced or bifurcated. It, in a mediated setting, you know, complete opposite end of the spectrum, you would likely be divorced in 2022. You know, it's, it's really, there is no race and I don't want people to think there's a race to the finish, but you can work through if you're working cooperatively and you're not having to coerce every step of the process out of each other as you move along. If you're not trying to, you know, make it as obstreperous and difficult as possible, if you're not having to wait for a court hearing to move forward two steps to only go five steps back, then you can move through the process more quickly. One quick thing to note though, every state has a cool off period Mm -hmm. and it's different in every state in California. It happens to be six months in Connecticut, where I also practice it's 90 days, but those are basically a statutory provision where you cannot get divorced within a certain period of time from when your paperwork is filed. So it's not from when you sit down and have the conversation It's from when the paperwork actually gets filed. Right. So that's like, after you've gone through mediation, after you've made all the decisions, right. And this is what happened to me, right? Like we went through the whole thing. We signed it, like send it off. And then like, Six months later, I get a letter in the mail saying you've been divorced for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, that's, it's like, that's well, California. <laughs> oh my God. They, weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, but that's something again in the, in the process to be talking about. Um, there are reasons, right? Part of what we will talk about is maybe you don't want to be divorced for tax reasons in 2022. So we're going to hold your judgment and file it in 2023 because there's good reason to do that. You're going to do some transfers or something where you don't want a tax complication. That's gone somewhat away since alimony became non-deductible. But there are, there are many different reasons. And again, they can be very cooperative as to when you file. But often what we will do in the mediation process, knowing that that cool-off period has to expire, is we'll choose after discussing a time to get the paperwork filed as a procedural matter, not as an emotional upsetting thing. You've been served, you know, the, this upsetting thing. We recognize that there can be a lot of emotion about seeing that actual paperwork. So we talk about it and go through what that paperwork is, what the process is and why you might want to start it so that you, you don't find yourself signing the final agreement and then waiting another six months or so before you can actually be divorced. Right. Right. I mean, that's, and I think we did do that because it was December 18th or something. Right. And so it was, okay, we're going to get through, I think it was 2010, you know, the end of 2010 then, you know, and then, so we start January of 2011 fresh and, you know, clear with separate bank accounts. Like we had that all worked out. Um, but yeah, so this is a, this is, I just want to impress upon everyone that this is a long process. And what's ironic, of course, is that the people who are like, I just want to get it done. I just want to get this done. I'm going to call an attorney and have this. Those divorces last a lot longer. (laughs) It's going to take longer. So first take the time, take, it can take a couple of months before, you know, for processing your emotions, before you begin the actual process 
Um, and depending on how complicated your finances are, the assets and all of that stuff, if you don't have a lot of assets, it can be quite cut and dry, but it's still going to take some time. Yeah. And right? even if you don't have a lot of assets, it can still be complicated because there's emotional content around things. I've seen people with very little to argue over, argue over, you know, a couch and turn that into, you know, World War III because they really wanted the couch. I, th- I just interviewed a guest on my podcast and she said, you know, they spent three months arguing over the dining room table because she really wanted that damn table. And in the end did not get the table and likes her new dining room table a lot better. Right. So, you know, it, it right. And how much it, money did she spend on definitely things, more than a dining for, room table? Right. Exactly. Right. Like it's, it's, this is, and again, this is why, this is why we, we cool, we have, there's the cooling off period, the legal cooling off period. This is why we have the emotional cooling off period y'all, because you're going to litigate a dining room table. Right. Oh, that's not even the crazy. I mean, some and of the it's things not I've about the actually, dining room table. Yeah. It's about you wanting to fighting for what you want. It's about, it's about the fight. It's about the emotional heat, right? What's some yeah. of the craziest stuff that you, what were you going to say? Oh, my, my craziest one was the, I had a half day hearing four hours over a stuffed singing frog and a CD collection. And it was literally one of the, so the husband had made this like singing frog Valentine thing where he sang a song and it was inside the frog. Mm -hmm, So when mm -hmm. you squeeze the frog and then he had a CD collection and his soon to be ex-wife had a son from a former marriage who was special needs and music was one of the things that that child really connected to. So he had given the CD collection, allegedly given the CD collection to the child during the marriage and then wanted it back. I'm not even going to go into this. Um, so we had a full day hearing on it. And if you ever want to get a skunk eye from a judge, spend four hours of their time talking about a stuffed singing frog and a CD collection. I was going to um, say, I bet an attorney, the, the judge was just like, get out of my courtroom. So mad, so mad. And honestly, you know, nobody wanted to be there. The two attorneys didn't want to be there. Um, my client was very, very angry. Yeah. And we were there because he was very, very angry. Right. And in the end, mm -hmm. he did not get, you know, he got, um, the judge split the CD collection a through L to the wife and M through Z to the husband and the wife said, I have no idea where the stuff singing frog is. I haven't seen it in years. And the judge's order was, if you find it, give it back to him. That was four the hours. end result. Four, four hours. hours. That's right. Remember my hourly rate folks, right? Think about yeah. that. And, and it's, it's not like I just, just walk into court and know what I'm doing. You know, we prep yeah. for those things. You, right. How many hours did you prep for that four hour hearing? Well, no, right? I have like, to say not that many because, that many. <laughs> because it was a singing frog and a CD collection. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh, Susan. All right. But this is why, this is why we have the emotional cool off because you don't want to spend that much money trying to litigate a stuffed frog, a singing right. frog. Right. And that was, you know, that was a case where my client was very clearly not emotionally ready to move through that process. I, as his attorney, was a tool in his arsenal to try and get back at his wife, who he was angry at. I, I'm required, you know, under the rules of ethics to do what my client would like 
done and advocate for their position. And all that did, by the way, was just make that divorce go on even longer, right? Because that part, now we've spent a day in court really beating each other up. Nobody walked out happy. Everyone walked out poor, except the attorneys, I guess. And that divorce continued to drag on. Um, it's important that cool off period. I really, I, I, I don't think you can emphasize it enough. No, I think it really is. And I think that, but I think that one of the things that also people forget about divorce is that, you know, we forget to emotionally separate. And I think that very often these arguments and these fights, we, it's, it's a way to, to perpetuate our connection to each other. Yes. Yes. Right. And so we get, we get, you know, physically separated, we, um, but we, or legally separated and we forget to emotionally separate or we don't want to. And that's the harder part of this. And that is why we don't rush the divorce process. First, we emotionally separate, then we can legally separate because it's going to make a big difference in how it goes. Well, and we see that we have a phenomenon in divorce, whether it be mediation, litigation, negotiation, um, where we often see that the parties move through the process, they come to that agreement, and then they come in that day to sit down and sign the paperwork, and it all falls apart. Right. And right. it's not really over the issue that somebody raises. It's because somebody is realizing in that moment with that signature it's going to be done. Yep. It's going to be over. That's right. Yeah. Whereas if people have been processing the emotions throughout, that is often not the issue, right? right? That's not there. Yeah. So Susan, as always, I love and adore you and your wisdom is truly priceless um, for my listeners, for your listeners. So thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? You know, the best place is I have two websites, divorceinabetterway.com, which is resources for anyone who's going through divorce, a lot of videos from me with advice, short videos and other information. And then of course the podcast, I do the podcast just like you do, because we really want to share with people that divorce is that finite period of time in life that you're going to get through and life beyond it is going to be so much better. So it's divorceandbeyondpod.com. Yay. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.